morning show, Sportsnet 590, the fan badass, Frank Gunning. So, maybe we'll play this later on in the show. Jerry Hurston Jr., former Dodger. Not great, like, player. Oh, okay. I was like, dude, what are we, what is happening? How much did he upset you with this video? He is now a Dodgers broadcaster, did, like, an appeal to Shohei Otani. Oh, on his show how, yesterday. How unbecoming of him. Certainly no one has done that. Uh, I'm not going to do it, though. That's. Okay. I mean, here's... So in it, there's like a little... It's it's tongue-in-cheek as well. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's looking for some content because nobody has any information Again. on this thing. Like, we're all like trying to extrapolate or stretch mm-hmm. what little actual tangible things we have on Shohei yeah. Otani to fill the time. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? The more we talk, the less stressed we are yeah, about Shohei Otani as and well. Un, and unlike us, like we could just talk about the Leafs. He can't do that. No, he can't do he that. He has to talk about Shohei. So he did like a minute and a half a screed on like why Shohei Otani should be a Dodger, and that's all well and good. But it, in it, he also um, took a shot at Toronto. Ooh. A couple of different things. Like one is that it's cold in Toronto. It's okay, good one in April. Yeah. Or October. Okay. November. They have a dome. But yeah, yeah, like in July, it's beautiful. And baseball is played in the summer. I would argue that summer in Toronto is as you you can stack it up against any uh, big North American city. So I've heard. It's it's great, great, great stuff. Agreed. Winter is horrible. If I was like starting from scratch, I probably would not choose this country to live in because the winters are so awful. And Mm. I it just it hurts me. To my core, not seeing the sun for five months. But outside of that, like, the summer is amazing. Bad Canadian. Go ahead. Yeah, like, hand up. Here's the thing. I don't need to do what Jerry Hairston did and what some people in the city are doing and doing, like, the appeal to Shohei Otani. Here's what's so great about Toronto. I mean, those things are true. Mm-hmm. And here's the benefit of playing at Rogers Center and with the Blue Jays. Like, I don't need to do that. One, because I'm confident enough in my own city, mm-hmm. in, this, in this franchise, in its direction mm-hmm. for now. And secondarily, I don't think Shohei Otani needs the hard sell. He's not an American. Like, he does right. not have these preconceived notions about, hey, like, sorry, Shohei, I know you don't leave the house, so, like, you watch a lot of TV. We don't get ESPN maybe, here. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he does watch a lot of TV. Maybe we, not. Yeah, we don't get ESPN here. It's like, okay. So what? Like, do you, can I like get my Japanese station that I have streamed into my house? Uh, otherwise, y- yeah. Oh, it's yeah. still like the same process. Whatever yeah. I do to get the the television stations that yeah. speak my language, mm-hmm. like I can still do that here. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah, I don't care. That I mean, an underrated part of this is him just not being an American. You do not have to have your little insecurities as a Canadian. <laughs> In in the normal conversation about these big ticket free agents, when it came to George Springer, mm-hmm. lesser Kevin Gossman, but mm-hmm. like the, the, we've had to do over and over and over again about, hey man, it's not that different, and oh the the border is not that yep. big of a deal. It's just 
I don't think we have to do it with Shohei Otani. Be the, confident in yourself. Yeah, for sure. The border is the one thing. Like, I'm not going to make it out to be like it's the worst thing ever. Oh, but you're going like, to do it. Okay, do, here's your no, appeal no. to Shohei Otani. Tell us why the, the, the border is not that big of a deal. Or no, you're going to say it is a big no, deal. I'm gonna you're going like, to say don't come here because of the border? It's not at all what I'm going to say. I'm just going to say, given my druthers, I'd rather do less paperwork than more paperwork personally and talk to less people than more people. But I get, I don't know, actually. The more I think about this, it's like, as part of the deal, a deal with customs. It's like, we're not allowed to talk about him. Why should a customs official be allowed to? Yeah. Like, I half joke, but I'm half not. Well, like, I mean, the other <laughs> thing about the, the the border thing is, like, they're not going through. No, they're no. not standing <laughs> in the line, no. like, in the mat, no. rat race. By this, the way, it's, the border's not that bad anymore, honestly, uh, with I the don't. machines. I disagree. I actually would never, like, like given my druthers, just no traveling. But we've talked to our next guest a lot about that. Uh, I, I just loathe it. I hate traveling paperwork i hate having people ask me questions paperwork there's no paperwork anymore like you don't have to fill anything Man, in anymore i don't know if someone's gonna talk to me and they're gonna ask me questions it's don't like it barely, i'd rather, like I'd they rather don't, not be interrogated what than, was the last time you traveled like well, pearson listen i'm not a pearson defender pearson no, is i mean awful, i made the trip awful, awful. when i lived in like when i lived in windsor i went over all the time for tigers games or wings games or well to a lesser extent but the occasional pistons game as well like i'd do that and yeah it's like i remember going they'd be like Whoa, what are on you an doing airplane, here for on an airplane when was well, the last time you traveled across the border on an airplane i don't know what three four years ago something like that i hated it it's awful it's brutal. I don't like. I don't think anyone cares about this. But stop asking me opinion. My 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 opinions on this stuff because I like. I hate it. I hate traveling. Like I did. You have to fill out the card. I definitely had to go to some kiosk yes. and like press some buttons and stuff. How's okay. that any different than paperwork? It's extremely different. I disagree. In my opinion, you're on the plane and like you're. Can I borrow a pen? Because obviously you don't have a pen because right. you don't carry a purse. Right. Like to me, it's very different. Who says I don't carry a purse? Merce. I like just Alan said I don't carry, carry a purse. Right. Uh, we'll find out if our next guest carries a purse. I, well, I was going to say we'll find out if he's still there because we're not a blame if he just went click. Mm, but he's our insider. Oh, so he better not have. And he's brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Josh Cloak of The Athletic is, is like, again, Pearson... This guy loves to travel. This Pearson is, is uh, awful, awful, awful. I know they're going to try and improve on, like, their second worst airport in North America thing over the holidays. Best of luck to that. Um, the border is, like, the least of my issues with, with Pearson. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm really going to be outing myself here because I carry multiple pens on flights, mm-hmm. first of all. In your so man not, not Yeah, not great in your eyes. And, like... I don't mind Pearson, if only because, like, I feel like I spend way too much time there. So it has that kind of odd comfort of home, you know, when you get back and you're like, oh, great, I'm home again. This is exactly how Red talked about Shawshank when he got out, you know. It's like, (laughs) I don't know how to exist in the real world. I have pens and I love Pearson. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's better than, like, if we're doing rankings, it's better than a lot of airports. It's better, like what? it's 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 miles better than O'Hare. Um, you know what is a sneaky good airport? And I know this is like sacrilege coming from like the center of the universe as we do, but Vancouver's airport is stunning. It is really it's a, it's mm-hmm. a clean airport. It's easy to navigate. Um, you just feel good there. Um, the best kind of I don't know airport detail I can give you um, if we're talking airports this, this morning, which yeah, it feels are. like we are. Yep. Um, I remember when I was leaving uh, Qatar, uh, Doha, from the World Cup last year, and my flight was at 1.30 in the morning. And so, like, I, I don't know, I had to get out of my hotel. So I went to the hotel, or sorry, the airport, like, 
three or four hours early. I just figured it'd be like really nice. They had a literal, and I'm not exaggerating at all. They had a literal live forest inside this hotel. <laughs> These are the lengths that, that Qatar goes to, to, to create this kind of, you know, fake society. It was an actual forest with birds in this hotel. It was magnificent. I, um, yeah, I, it, that that one sticks with me, you know, in terms of weird airport stuff. Yeah, listen, if if Pearson also had a a, a live uh, jungle that I could go walk through and and do some sightseeing, uh, you know, maybe pet the animals, I'd be down with with airports as well, and and down with Pearson. You are the first person I've ever talked to who didn't have a negative thing to say about. Toronto Pearson Airport, and quite literally, Josh. Like I'm not kidding. Oh, geez, red. He, <laughs> it, you know what it is? It, it's utilitarian. You know, it's it's it, it's very much like yeah. The planes, you know, no, they do depart Pearson. You're not you're not incorrect. Like I, I I couldn't I couldn't be bothered. Like I know again, you just you do this so much, you know exactly, you know which restaurant you're gonna go and fill up at, and you're it's it's not very complicated, and I like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I have different things that I critique in life, and mm. and Pearson is not one of them. Yeah, it's pizza mostly. All right, uh, let's, it is. <laughs> let's talk about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're in Ottawa to, to play the Senators without John Klingberg for the rest of the season. Yeah, this is something we were talking about yesterday, Josh. Was Klingberg a popular guy in the room? I don't know if he even had a chance to become popular, if that makes sense. Like, people forget that, you know, he... He's been out for a while. He only essentially played on the team for a month or so. Um, and I don't think he really had time to, to kind of integrate himself. I think that Swedish trip was a real missed opportunity for him to kind of, you know, connect with a bunch of teammates. Because I know, you know, speaking to the team, that they were looking at that Swedish trip as an opportunity for, you know, some of those Swedish guys to show them around, teach them about, you know, who they are, where they come from, Um and I don't think Klingberg got the opportunity to do that. I mean, popular, I don't know. He was he was a veteran guy, but, you know, he, he missed out on a lot of, you know, lengthy road trips. He he, he missed out on a lot of, you know, the, the, the team bonding stuff that allows players to get to know one another. And um, that's disappointing. Uh, it's disappointing for him. I, I think if he was at his best, he obviously could have made a difference. But, you know, we'll never know. His, his least career is you know, over, I would say, but popular, it was just too early, right? Yeah, I think there's certainly uh, something to that. I, I want to talk, uh, well, actually, I was about to ask you about the stretch they have coming up here, but I'll ask you about that in a second. I want to ask you about that potty mouth, Sheldon Keefe yelling at his team at practice yesterday. Does that feel a little out of character? I'm not going to call it performative by any means. I think he was coaching his team the way he thought they needed to be coached there, but I don't know that we've seen stories like that coming out of Leafs practice for the last handful of seasons. You know, it's been a big talking point of if there's a different Keefe yesterday, and, you know, that's obviously a, you know, a sexy, bright, shiny object that we're all going to point to, but have you felt like there's been a slightly different Sheldon Keefe this year? No, and, and like, I'll be honest, I care less about... Sheldon Keefe, you know, using curse words in practice, and I do about critiquing Pearson Airport. I do. Like, it's just, this is what a coach is supposed to do. If a coach is going to, you know, use a few curse words here and there, like, to me, that's just par for the course. Um, I think it was kind of, this is very inside baseball, but I think it was at first kind of pointed out by someone that isn't around the team very much. Mm. Um, if and And I'm trying to say that in the most polite way, but, like, Look, Sheldon Keefe, I, I think, has learned, 
you know, in Toronto that the, your your most dangerous things are probably best said behind closed doors. Um, and, you know, talking to players about Sheldon, there's there's kind of two sides of him. There is the, the side of him that is able to understand when, you know, when a player needs to have an arm put around him and, and to be kind of built up. And, and that's also the job of the assistant coaches as well. Um, I think the Leafs have done really well to surround Sheldon Keith with some, you know, just quote unquote good guys. Like Mike Van Ryan is one who is, you know, one of the most positive guys I've, I've seen around the Leafs lately. Um, but no, like Sheldon Keith kind of getting angry. Like mm. there are standards for this team to be held accountable to, you know, regardless of what people on the outside think, Sheldon Keith thinks this team should be competing for a Stanley cup. And I think it's fair to say that some of his best players have not been elite players this year. And I know he got in trouble or whatever for that, you know, last year, but it, I think it's good if Sheldon Keefe, you know, ups the intensity from time to time. That's what coaches are, are supposed to do if they see the, the intensity on the ice lagging a bit, right? Yeah. And, and to, to the point about calling out individual players, we've seen that a couple of times. We saw it with Mitch Marner and he walked it back a little bit after the, the, the game in which he said he needs to be better and said, all right, we need to stop with the negativity around him. And then he popped off for a, a hat trick shortly thereafter uh, in the bubble. Uh, Saturday before the game, he was pointed in his criticism of Austin Matthews. He responded with a couple of goals, including the uh, the game tire with, with uh, fewer than 10 seconds to go, uh, allowing the Maple Leafs to escape with a point against the Boston Bruins. Was that a wake-up call for Austin Matthews? Like, does he appear like a guy that needs that every once in a while, and now he's got his attention, we're going to see the best of him? I mean, it's a long season. Every player does. I mean, who doesn't, right, in their job? Who doesn't go through stretches, you know, when they have to be kind of, I think the, the phrase Mike Babcock used to use was, you, you, you need a little tightening up. Um, yeah, I remember and, it well. Yeah, and like, look, I don't, again, like, Austin is is incredibly self-aware and he knows that you know if if a coach kind of calls him out he knows that there's going to be more kind of eyeballs on him the next day but I also don't think Austin Matthews needs reminding of what he's capable of I just think like it's it's and I wish I had something more salacious here but I just think it's human nature that like we all need kind of a tightening up we all need a reminder of of what we're capable of like I can I'm just literally thinking to myself of, you know, a few times over the past few years where my editors come to me and just said, you're slipping a bit and it's, it's, it's okay. It happens, but let's kind of, let's get it back on track. Like, you know, we sometimes forget that all these guys have a ton of stuff going on in their personal lives. And he, you know, I was joking about it with a colleague yesterday. We were joking about, you know, an unnamed player who was kind of being a bit, I don't know, grumpy in a, in a scrum and, and I was just said, you know, we don't know if that person, you know, had a fight with their girlfriend or wife that, that morning. We don't know if like they got bad family news. Like we don't know what, what happens with these guys. So I think it's Sheldon Keith's job just to kind of remind, you know, Austin Matthews of, you know, not, not be better, but just what he's capable of. Right. Yeah. I think there's certainly something to that. And I also go back to the old, you know, we're talking about Babs and yeah, that line for whatever reason is like burned into my brain. I think he made a joke about like a lot of you guys out there probably need your wives to give you a good tightening every once in a while. Like it just burned into my brain. But then you mentioned the grumpy thing. And I think of Brian Burke, like he always talks about that you need different personalities on a team and like, yeah, wouldn't it, you you think in a perfect world, like you'd love everybody to be a Mitch Marner and energizer bunny who walks in smiling, cracking jokes all the time, but you know, it takes different kind of flavors 
numbers to make the world go go around. I want to ask you about this schedule they've got coming up here. And this is, you know, I feel like we're going to say this 15 more times throughout the year, but this is a big stretch. You know, they've had the lack of games played like all the other teams that went over to Sweden, but they're going to be busy here. And, you know, it's... I know that there's a lot more parity in the NHL, but it's certainly a gettable stretch. I mean, they got the Sens tonight. They got the Preds on Saturday, Islanders Monday, Rangers, obviously pretty tough game on Tuesday. And then the Jackets on Thursday, all leading into the Penguins a couple Saturdays from now coming home for the, the Kyle Dubas bowl. Like this feels like a really big stretch for the team. Not in that it can bury them or set them afloat either way, but it just seems like if there is a time for this team to kind of get off and running after, this kind of weird schedule they've had with Sweden and with the time off, it feels like this time is as crucial as any. And with the teams that are there, it, again, like not to say that it's nothing but cupcakes, but certainly teams they should be able to take care of in this run here. Yeah, you know what I think about when I think about this stretch is how many games there are, how many kind of games there are back-to-back, how little time the team is going to have between games. Um, and when that when they have that kind of stretch, I think players are a lot more susceptible to injuries. Um, You know, fatigue, you know, certainly lends itself to injuries. That's why I think it's more imperative than ever that Brad Tree Living, you know, makes the deal to to upgrade this roster. Um, I think, you know, he did the media rounds yesterday. It's pretty clear that he's looking for an upgrade. He even hinted that he, you know, he's looking for an upgrade at the third line center and, you know, the right D spot. Obviously they need help on defense, but I don't think this team, and when I think about this stretch, I don't think this team is one that can afford to wait until the trade deadline to make an upgrade, right? Because we've seen this team really not, like how many ultra convincing games have they played? Three, four, and we're putting the Bruins, we're putting the Bruins one in there. um, And that, you know, that was a loss. They only got one point out of that. So the point is, is, is when the schedule gets more intense, you're, you have to depend on every guy. And I just, I don't know if they can continue to go through these long stretches with the roster as assembled. I think it's pretty clear they need upgrades. And I think we're really going to see, you know, through this stretch, whether or not this team as assembled has enough to go deep in the playoffs. And my inclination is just that you know, the core pieces are still great, but it's just those, you know, the pieces around the core that are going to need upgrading. Obviously, we're talking a lot about Chris Tanev. Like, I think he'd be a great fit for this team, but I think they're going to need help at forward too. And I think this stretch will really reveal just how much help they're going to need, right? Yeah. Uh, those guys are expensive, though, Brad, for living told us. Uh, the prices are high, obviously, especially if you want to jump the market in December as opposed to uh, when the trade deadline actually occurs in February. Um, the The Leafs have gotten some good production out of their... Their prospects, um, Easton Cowan and Fraser Minton, are both on the long list. They're both at uh, the Canadian World Junior Selection Camp, which is 30 players long in in Oakville. They could be playing at the World Juniors in Europe coming up at the end of this month. I mean, where where has their standing gone within the organization? Do you think those guys, like nobody's untouchable, obviously for the right price, but like where are they as far as being key parts of this team's future, especially if you're going to be a team that's spending as much as they are on the top end of its roster. Like how available will those guys be when we start really talking in earnest about trades being made? So, you know, Brad Tree Living has talked a lot more than, than Kyle Dubas has, you know, if we're using sample sizes, you know, when Kyle was GM here and 
One thing that, that, you know, Brad said early on in his tenure that really stuck out to me, it was at the draft last year, and he essentially said, you know, this team, this Leafs team is constantly trying to, you know, compete for Stanley Cup. And when you do that, and I'm paraphrasing, when you do that, you have to empty, empty the prospect cupboards and you have to trade some draft capital. And he essentially said, we don't know if we want to keep doing that. You know, and the Leafs did end up keeping their, their pick. And, you know, they picked Easton Cowan, who was a surprise at the time. But, you know, he's looking like a pretty good pick now. So the point is, I don't know if Brad Tree Living is as comfortable moving draft picks and prospects as, you know, maybe his predecessor was. Because if you're Brad Tree Living, you're probably thinking about the long haul. And you're probably thinking about whether or not you can make this team sustainably strong year after year. So, like, look, would you, if, if Chris Tanev or whoever was available and, you know, you had to trade a prospect, maybe you would. But I wonder if it's more a case of them moving a roster piece. And I don't know who that is, but I, I, I just wonder that because I don't know if Brad Tree Living is as eager to move, you know, their first round pick or, or Fraser Minton, for example, who, you know, I know he was a huge fan of. And like we can theoretically see Fraser Minton being their fourth line center next year. Like I don't know if you, if he is as eager to move those guys as he might be, you know, someone on the roster that makes two, three, four million. There's not a lot of guys that, that do that. You can shorten that list pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're Brad Tree Living, you came in you know, in the summer when you were hired and you had a plan that was, you know, a little more long-term than just let's see if we can get the most out of this group this year. And that's why I'm hesitant to, to include Cowan or Minton, for example, in any potential trade deal. How do we think he feels about Nick Robertson? Because he doesn't make the money that you mentioned there, but if you're talking about moving a roster player for a, you know, a player of a different feel or a different position, and, you know, I do like what they've got out of Nick Robertson, but I could also see Brad Trilliving look at him and saying, yeah, that's a regular season player. I'm not saying that's the case, but do you have any feel for where the organization's kind of on, on Robertson and if that's changed with the changing of the guard this summer? Well, I guess the question is, how does Brad Tree Living feel about Nick Robertson versus how does Sheldon Keith yeah. feel about Nick Robertson? I think those are two very different questions. I don't know if Nick Robertson has the full trust from Sheldon Keith. Um, I just I look at how little he's played, and I wrote about this a few weeks back at the Athletic. I, he hasn't played very much for a guy that that came out pretty hot and produced at a pretty elite rate if we're just looking at, you know, five on five per 60 minutes. Nick Robertson had a good stretch and looks to me like an NHL player. Um, He's cooled off a little bit, but, you know, when you're Sheldon Keefe and you are constantly, subtly, albeit subtly, but when you're constantly referencing the defensive mistakes that, that Nick Robertson makes and doing so in an unprompted manner, like, that's concerning to me. It's concerning to me just when we think about the player's kind of long-term future and whether he has the full trust. And look, we've seen this before. I don't know if, you know, Rasmus Sandin had the full trust of, of Sheldon Keefe. Sheldon Keefe likes his players defensively responsible. He likes them defensively sound. He doesn't want to have to worry about his players. And I think that's also why, you know, we haven't seen Max Domi play perhaps as many minutes as we thought he would, even though that, that line offensively, like in the offensive zone, that pair has looked great. The defensive numbers aren't great. And so I think, you know, how does Brad tree living feel about him? I don't know, but I would guess that Sheldon Keefe 
has some trust issues with him just defensively. And I think Nick Robertson knows that. And I think that's something, you know, Nick has been working on all season. He literally said that, you know, when I talked to him about, you know, for the athletic, I need to earn the coach's trust. Um, and when a player is aware of that, like uh, he's kind of spelling it out for you, right? Yeah, uh, I'd say so. Uh, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sheldon keep pretty happy with the goaltending he's gotten out of Joseph Wall. He wasn't perfect uh, against the Boston Bruins on Saturday and almost was perfect in the overtime. It's uh, hard to to uh, stop a two-on-O, uh, and he couldn't. Uh, so Maple Leafs uh, go wanting in that game. But he's been everything you could have hoped for and expected for a guy that's still a, a rookie uh, in the National Hockey League, kind of usurping Ilya Samsonov as the uh, team's number one goaltender. You have a story out on The Athletic right now talking about his journey through uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs system uh, it's 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 hard not to be pretty bullish about that position, considering the price tag, considering the performance that you've gotten out of him, not just at the NHL level, but you know as he was starting to assert himself as as a, an AHL topper or upper echelon goaltender. It feels like it's finally happening for Joseph Wall. Yeah, and it feels like it's finally happening for the Leafs that they finally, you know, drafted and developed a goalie. Right. To me, that was something that was a real thorn in their side for years. So, you know, the last goalie they drafted and developed before Joseph Wall was James Reimer. And like just, you know, NHL teams can't go that long without drafting and developing goalies because good goalies are really, really hard to come by. They're hard to come by in free agency. They're even, you know, they're almost impossible to come by in the trade market. And, you know, the Leafs thought they had a good free agent signing in, in Ilya Samsonov and, he just he hasn't had as good a year this year. Um, I, I just think if you're Joseph Wall, you feel so good about yourself because you've had that faith from the organization for years. But you go back to 2020 when he had the second worst save percentage in the AHL. And like I was wrong. I wrote about him and I, I literally wrote, I'm, I'm beginning to get worried about Joseph Wall's NHL future. And a few years later, I had to write a, you know, a, a story with the headline, why I was wrong about Joseph Wall. Um, I think the organization has long believed in him, and I think that's partly why he's, he's being fueled the way that he is. Um, and look, he's got another year in his contract left, too, earning less than $800,000. It makes me wonder, and I know this is kind of what we're thinking about, it just makes me wonder how they view Ilya Samsonov as a possible and I'm just saying possible trade chip. I wonder that. Is that a lot to ask of, you know, a 25-year-old goalie, Joseph Wall, right now? I don't know. But what if you give him a few more months and the sample size just gets bigger and bigger? Because what he's shown that a lot of goalies, a lot of young goalies don't have is that composure balanced with athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's, that's really, really impressive. We see a lot of great goalies have that athleticism. But mentally, you know, they, they sometimes struggle. You know, Ilya Samsonov is an athletic goalie, and he was pretty upfront this year about how he struggled mentally. We haven't seen that yet from Joseph Wall, and I think that's why the organization has such confidence in him. And I think that might be why it, it could impact how they approach at least the trade deadline, right? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I uh, hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, you might, I, listen, there's more than a few teams that could use a goalie right now. Uh, Josh, always appreciate the time. Thanks, man. Anytime, guys.
There's Josh Cloak of The Athletic. Uh, he was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. You can't trade Ilya Samsonov under any circumstances. Unless somebody's, like, backing up the Brinks truck. Your boy, Unless, Dennis Hildeby. Yeah. Martin Jones, right? Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Sure. And Martin Jones is probably going to be the backup tonight. Uh, Martin Jones stinks right now like, yeah. and has for, like, the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. He's stunk at the I'm, I'm aware. He's stunk at the American League level though this year as well. The funny thing about this is that the when the Leafs made a trade for a goalie that, you know, I still have no problem with them making this trade, but they ultimately did not need in David Riddick or Riddick, whatever his name is. It was Brad Treliving who was sending him here from Calgary. It'd be interesting if Treliving just has the balls of steel, quite frankly, to say, yeah, we're good with Joe Wall. I'm going to clear up this three mil. Can't I, see it happening. Yeah. Uh, just to be clear, I'm very much with you that I cannot see that happening. Okay. Here's what you'd need. Here's what you'd need. You would need Samsonov through some not Joe Wall performance-related circumstance. So, like, Joe Wall... And you wouldn't want this, but like he tweaks something and you have to go with more of a Samsonov run. He looks great coming out of it, but you want to like clear thing. That's the only scenario no, but where this makes sense. No, but that makes less sense to me because then you're like, oh, thank goodness. Samsonov, like if Joe Wall yeah. does go down, if he slips up, mm-hmm. we have a backup plan right now. Oh, you're oh, like, no, no, I look, don't take this as me saying I agree with you. I cannot see a world where that happens, but. To the point we've heard about Treliving of saying, okay, he doesn't think there's much in the cupboard. Not that he's wrong about that, but, you know, he would feel even more, it's even more sparse since he's the guy who didn't send all these pieces out. That if he's saying, okay, I can't afford, and again, it's not can't afford, it's don't think it's the right time to afford, but if I can't afford retention, how can I find a way to get these pieces well, in? I mean, that's, that's the only that's way, right? That's the best argument is that, like, where is the money you're sending out the door? And now you, you have. $4.1 million mm-hmm. that you didn't have before. So that's good. Yep. Is it enough? I don't know. But like, there is no, there is no ballast to send the other way, really. Like, okay, are you going to send Max Domi's $3 million out that's the door? Kali Yarncroc. That's like, the only other guy. I, I, Tyler Bertuzzi makes five and a half, but like, he's doing the things that Certainly you expected him to do. Like, yeah, it's not Jake McCabe who's. Uh, yeah, you keep like okay. If you're going to turn only makes two million. Yeah, the cap. it's like if you're going to turn him into. I keep referencing the Jake Muzzin trade. Obviously, mm-hmm. easier said than done. But yeah, maybe if you're going to make one of those, good luck. Yeah, uh, maybe it's like Connor Timmons. That's a million bucks, though. Like what, it's the thing. Like what are we talking about? The here? So only that, guys you can move that uh, that open up the books in any way are your Domi, your Samsonov. And, like, even to a lesser extent, like, Yaron Croc's, like, two and a half. Like, it's not really changing things. No. That's that's the only argument if you're if you're making one as to why the Leafs should be listening mm-hmm. on Ilya Samsonov. But, man, for my money... Well, so there's two things. Yep. There's probably more than two, but two immediately come right. to mind. One is that, well, okay... How much are you getting for a guy who's a pending free agent who's having a horrible season who had, like, one great year, but, like, it was one, right? It was one great year, and then he got hurt in the playoffs. Like, how? Like are the Oilers coming over the top for another Leafs goalie (laughs) to go get Ilya Samsonov at the deadline with his 880 save percentage? Probably not. And two, like, as much as I'm not surprised that Joseph Wall has taken the the mantle as this team's number one goalie, and expected and hoped that it might happen considering his long-term future and that yep. he's a drafted and developed player by the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I get that. Am I 
100% confident that this is going to be just a linear progression forever and ever, and Joseph Wall's the answer, he's going to have a 20-year no. NHL career? Like, of course not. This is this is not Henrik Lundqvist, right? Like, this is somebody who you're going to have to have a backup plan for. Yep. Even if he rattles off the rest of this season as the number one, as like a 9-10, 9-15 save percentage guy. And going into next year, you're going to need somebody better than Martin Jones to be his number two. And it's a guy that's going to be making more than him, which is tough for him. He'll get paid in 2025. Yeah. But, yeah, no, you can't, you can't go into the postseason with no safety net. And I get it. Like, having Samsonov with a save percentage of 880 doesn't feel like a, a safety net. Yeah. He, he, he physically won a postseason series with you like not even 12 months ago. Yeah, and it's like maybe you don't feel like he is like the, you know, most robust safety net, but Martin Jones is like a piece of floss yeah. under the wire. It's like you might hit it, you might not even know it, it was there. I, I think the other thing that you have to keep in mind with this is the – like the Jordan Binnington of it all. Like we talk about Samsonov, like, oh, he won around. It's like yeah. the Blues paid Jordan Binnington after he did the thing. Like yeah. he won them a cup. And <laughs> if they had a do-over on it, it's like they couldn't not oh, do it. It was so all, stupid. I mean, it was an all-time bad circumstance for them that it happened to come up right, right then and there. They had to pay. Like I understand that, but it's like you don't think that's lurking in the back of everybody's mind of Jack Campbell, like obviously Campbell and, and what happened there are different scenarios, but it's just like, we've seen this movie before you pay goalies. They've had success. Mm -hmm. They fall off a cliff. It is so, so hard to have much faith in it. So yeah, I, I let me, let me put a bow on it this way. If they trade Samsonov, I am very dubious. It's because some team is saying I need Samsonov no. and it's them saying here's sweetener to free us of this money so we can go do what we need to do. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe the case. Yeah. Like the, the, the scenario, here's the one scenario I can envision it happening mm. as that, like, not only did the numbers not recover for Samsonov, he like looks worse. Like mm. he's unplayably bad. Right. Like you, you like, you actually have to go out and look for yet another backup or, you know, you got to try Martin Jones on occasion yeah. to see if there's something there that like Ilya Samsonov, wow, that was an incredible season where he's yeah. among the leaders in high danger save percentage at five on five a season ago. And now he's like unplayable and, yep. and he's, he's his dreams of landing some multi-year contract are out the window and he may be playing his trade at the American League next year and you're able to take that 3 million yeah. plus and add it to the cash of of available funds to go improve your blue sudden, line you at the deadline 7 and a half million bucks you do need to find another goalie there i just it's a very unsexy answer but i think the most likely thing is that that's your goalie tandem and samsonov has a few runs where you go eh. but ultimately it's joe wall's net by the time it's all said yeah, and done which is not a bad situation no, no, again not, like look around the national hockey league and how many teams yeah. are envious of what the totally. Leafs have going on in goal. So this this came out last week or two weeks ago, I think, but I'd be lying if it didn't make me think about Joe Wall. So Sam Montembeau got the extension with the Canadians. Now it's like three times three. Mm -hmm. But the interesting part of that is that it came with no no move or no trade protection, which you would say uh, he's a third goalie. Why would he get that? But the interesting part is like they're actively talking about moving him right now, and he still took that deal. And the Leafs are going to be in a position to negotiate with Joe Wall after this year. And yeah. you'd here's the thing: like you'd love for Joe Wall to be in a position to ask for money at the end of this year because it means the only way that's happening. Like, the least winning one round in the playoffs isn't enough for Joe Wall to walk in there and say, ah, look at my great, great, grand track record that we that we have.
I like that's not going to be one series. If he does it, it's a Bennington conversation. Then it's like you'd love to have a conversation about paying Joe Wall. So yeah, I just I saw that Sam Bontebo money at three times three or three three or whatever it ended up being, and I thought, eh, I wonder if that if they want to go a little more term uh, with Wall, if that's maybe a number that that kind of makes sense. But I don't know, just something that popped in my head when I saw that news from out of Montreal last week. I mean, if I'm Joe Wall, there's no way I'm accepting that. Not this year. You still have one more year on the deal. Why wouldn't you just continue to play it, play ahead? Like if you're going to sign a deal, this, this, like there's no, there's no world where Joe Wall is like, yes, I'd love to take a super cheap bridge deal. Unless he thinks that that, unless there is some question as to whether or not he's the starter. And he feels like that is the way to ingrain himself there. Cause that has been the thing with a lot of lease rookies mm-hmm. is like the Mintons and the Cowans of the world is, Hey, don't take all your bonuses and there's a better chance that you get to the NHL sooner. Like that has been a thing there with, with that because you're just at a cheaper number. It's same with some of the Marley's guys. It's like, they're not at the full nine fifty because if you're a little cheaper with a team that's right up against it, it allows you to, to have some wiggle room there. But for Joe wall, it's like, why would you do that? Unless Samsonov is here kind of gumming up the works, but I can't see that. No, Ilya Samsonov is playing out the string with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then he's going to depart to free agency, and he's going to get, I mean, hopefully for his sake, that he the numbers rebound to uh, a state at which somebody's yep. not displeased in mm-hmm. giving him, you know, three- or four-year deal, and he goes somewhere else and yep. attempts to be someone else's number one goalie. But I do think that is one of the more interesting conversations this upcoming offseason is what do you do with Joseph Wall? Mm-hmm. Because outside of him... Yeah, you're going to be able to extend him. Yeah, and he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights at the conclusion of 24-25. Yep. And outside of him, like, your backup plans are limited Very. to an extreme degree. Unless Dennis Hildeby is the real one. <laughs> then Prob- you do the thing... If you, you believe... Just- you should give him the what, the, what Joe Wall has right now yep. that we think of as one of the coups of the Kyle Dubas era, mm-hmm. giving him this NHL contract that pays him less than a million bucks i get some point that's going to be a discussion this team is having about dennis hildeby who knows and if you just hand the the reins over to this dude in in three years yeah it'd be uh it'd be a wonderful succession plan don't think it's going to work out that'd be way too clean i i I feel like you can't do any planning around goaltending uh, to any degree and and certainly not young goaltending. You should have put the period earlier because it's just, you should not do much thinking about goaltending, period. It's it's a great evil we have in our game and we will one day find a way to extricate it. But for now, we got him. We got to talk about him. We got to talk about punters and, and, well, punters are different than, than, than kickers. Place kickers and goalies. Yeah. Yeah, place kickers and goalies are closer. Um, and I think given how crazy goaltenders are, there's a line of them to fight us for comparing them to kickers right now. So mm. we should probably stop talking about this. And they'd be willing to do so. All yes, right, they when would. we come back. Very much so. More of the Fan Morning Show when we continue. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9, the fan band, and it's Brent Gunning. Brent Gunning, just normal. Brent Gunning! I'll take normal, please. Uh, Brent Gunning! Tough ask with you in here. Uh, you can feel Friday. You're annoyed Shohei hasn't signed yet. I can no, feel it. Fine. No, it's you're, fine. No, you're totally fine with it. We should I, keep... I already let my feelings be known in the 7 o'clock hour that I've gone from excited and it's been a fun little ride here. Mm-hmm. It's something unexpected to I've stressed and it feels bad. Um, 
Forgive me if I've asked you this already. Okay. And I feel like I may have. Yeah, so. Where were you when John Tavares signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Do you I, remember that moment? I do. I, uh, I was not far from where we sit right now. I was in front of a microphone at an update desk providing people with news. And then my shift ended right at noon. And I thought, ooh, that'd be fun to get it as the last one. But then I also thought to myself, ooh, leaving work for a long weekend sounds fun as well. So I left. I walked out these very doors that are just below us here. Mm -hmm. I took a few steps down Bloor to Sherburn Station. And right before I went down to the land of, well, now the land of service, but at the time, the land of no cell phone service, saw the holiest of tweets from Elliot Friedman announcing that it happened. And then I sat there firing off texts for honestly about five or six minutes of like, oh, yeah, we got tomorrow, JT. Then I got on the subway, went dark for 30 minutes to ascend to a phone that was just smoking fire of everybody responding texts and seeing all the tweets and everything. So, yeah, it was about to hop on the subway is where I was. It was actually to get to have the immediate, like, this is amazing, and then go dark yeah. knowing I'm going to have a surprise party yeah. of everybody being excited when I came out. <laughs> so I guess not a surprise, just a regular yeah. party. It was awesome. Uh, a pool party. Wow, that'd be great. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's July 1st, did obviously. He, oh, my God. Did somebody do the... I would not have been able, in, if I was in that circumstance, to not have got on the ledge of the pool or if there was a diving board. Go, everyone. I have an urgent and important yeah. news message. <laughs> you know, the, the I think Burgundy. somebody alerted me to the story yeah. first. So somebody yeah. should have, like, it was a real missed opportunity well at a pool party to not deliver the Will, the Will Ferrell from Anchorman. It's, it's so I have true. an urgent and important news message to deliver to you all. And then John Tavares is a leaf. Could you imagine? That would have been good. That, that would have been, been so much. I got to be honest, like, no shots at Fridge. That would have been better than just reading his tweet. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do they that. They didn't do that. I like. I, I think I read a tweet and I was like, "All right, well, back to being in the pool." Um, but like, it's the wrong level of excitement. It, it's the appropriate amount. Um, Not close. If the show, so I've done too much thinking about the show Otani thing not happening. Yep. Again, like it's foreboding for me. Like, I, especially with Juan Soto off the board, it just feels like. We're gonna have a. Oh, bite. That makes me feel like that should make you feel so much better that it's happening. That the. The Jays are getting Otani. Why? Because why would they just let that happen? Like, why would they? Why would I they? Mean, they had no choice. Well, no, they, there's nothing precluding them. You know, like again, I know, I know, heaven forbid, anyone know that the Blue Jays and Dodgers are interested in Shohei Otani, but it's like there's nothing precluding them from going to the Padres and saying, "Hey, if you want like a bidding war, not just to take, and yeah. it's a good offer, but not just take what the Yankees are giving you." Maybe hang tight. I, and if I'm the Yankees, I'm saying, here's the thing. You yeah, want Michael no, no. King? It's what I said. It's at the, today. Yeah, it's what it's I said at the today. start of the show. It's it the whole poker game. tomorrow. Totally. And that's the poker game that was played. But from a Jays perspective, I don't like, I'm not saying it's a definitive de facto, but the fact that Soto has gone, obviously it makes it more it, important to get him now as well, but it does mm-hmm. make me feel better about their chances. It does. I don't. I feel the same, which is still like, yeah, they're in it. Here's what you should feel for sure okay. is that Thank they're you. in it. <laughs> like they Thank you still, feelings are. They definitely feel like they have a chance to land Shohei Otani. Because if they felt they had no chance yeah. and they needed to take a big mm-hmm. swing, yeah, they would be very much down the line with Juan Soto, but he's gone. He Anyways, goes. Um, so I, I feel 
hey, it, it is, by most accounts, like about a 50-50 proposition, Dodgers or Blue Jays right now with, with Shohei Otani. I got to say that, like, it just, that still remains true, but it's gone from fun to, like, yeah, foreboding. <laughs> but let's do, let's lean into the fun thing. Let's sure. think about the fun. Sure. Let's just, like, put our minds in the place because this is going to happen. He's going to sign. Yeah. In the coming days. So you say. If not weeks. Like, eventually he will what, sign honestly, somewhere. Honestly, what happens first? Shohei Otani signs with the team or Pascal Siakam is traded? Honestly, I've been hearing mm. both are going to happen forever. But go ahead. Otani. Okay. Put so yourself so you in a situation. Well, so, like, envision how it's going to go down. What's going to happen? Is it going to be a shy Davidi tweet? At what time of day is it mm-hmm. going to happen? Will it be a national celebration? Because, again, this is not the Toronto Maple Leafs where... John Tavares signs, and it's jubilation in the city of Toronto. But the rest of this country is furious. It's yeah. like a day of mourning yeah. out in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Mad men, we don't think about you at all. Ye- this whole country is like, what? What just happened? And also, the story, even without it happening, just the rumor of it, mm. has already broken down the barrier of being a sports story. Yep. It's no longer a sports story here in this country. It is a news story. Yeah. So say the, again, it's not unthinkable because it's very possible, but still the unthinkable happens. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays outlay $600 million for the next 10 years yep. of Shohei Otani, and it happens in what manner? Like, what? what is the first thing that comes to your mind as far as the trickle-down effect, the 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 domino effect of, of Shohei Otani the report getting out there mm-hmm. that he is about to sign with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, I would expect it to come from one of the big national guys. I mean, I'd love for Shy or Ben to break it if it was Jay's story, but just the way these things typically go across kind of all sports, the big national guys typically get it. So I don't know, it's passing, it's Rosenthal, it's only Morosi, whoever, whoever it ends up being. And then, yeah, I just think it goes into cascade of information mode. Like the phone's smoking, every group chat you have is on fire. You can't find anything on Twitter or Instagram for six weeks because everybody's just tweeting and posting about this exact thing. Yeah, it'd be, you know, it'd be, it would be a bigger scale to your point about the national versus local thing. It's like, I mean, I'd also make the argument the Leafs are quasi-national as well, but yeah, there's the hatred as yeah, much as there's the like love. The, the CBC is the national, right? Like yeah. the, the the biggest news program, the yeah. national news yeah. program. I mean, should have for Tavares, should have been the lead story that day, but. E, well, yeah. I mean, it should. But you, in jest, you, you, you're Man, talking about that. Like, you really. don't truly believe that though, do you? I, I, I th- it's actually been the most interesting thing to me of having these conversations because it's like, you know, you and I know this. I don't know how much everyone else out there knows this, but it's like, I think the most important thing at all points in time in our sporting landscape is what's happening to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, but it's Shohei Otani has broke this. Story. No, what I was about to say, Shohei Otani has broke through to this, but I am not able to have, when, I'll be honest, like when it comes to the Leafs, I'm not able to have a like proper perception of like, what does someone's grandma in Kelowna think about mm. this? It's like, I don't care. I was excited about all. John Tavares. Didn't think about it at all. But the Otani, yeah, like it's probably, yeah, it's like leading the national. It's all that stuff. I don't think it does if he goes to the Dodgers. No. It's like, okay, cool. What? <laughs> that didn't happen. No talking about it. <laughs> right. That's what happens. But yeah, if he yeah. signs with the Jays, yeah. It's not even a, a news item possibly on, on City News. Almost certainly signs, not. Signs with the Dodgers. It's like at the end of... Yep. Uh, like, like, And a, the Blue Jays yeah, will yeah. not be allocating <laughs> a billion dollars to a Japanese guy. 
It's it's gonna happen though, like Shohei Otani signing, not necessarily with the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. but Again, yeah. So he maybe I don't know. I, I like please let it happen. I've been hurt, been hearing forever. It's and on then, the verge. I guess he's gonna have to do a media availability. Maybe, 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 maybe not. Probably I, not. Actually, the more I think about it, yeah, it's almost All certainly right. a possibility. That's uh, been the fan morning. Show. Yes, it has. Sports at five nine. Ben Ben and Brent Gunning. See you tomorrow. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.